It's National Coffee Day, or it was National Coffee Day this week, and uh, Strava Craft Coffee, our good friends over at Strava Craft Coffee, came through with a sick deal that you can still get for DNVR listeners. Yeah, that's 30% off your Strava Craft Coffee order. We normally offer 20. This week, it's 30 with our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. So head over to StravaCraftCoffee.com and use the code DNVR30 to get your rich, tasty CBD infused coffee. I promise you're going to love it. And uh, if you want to try a little, a little taster of it, you can always come down to the DNVR bar and have some of our CBD infused cold brew. It's delicious and it really packs a punch. So check out Strava Craft Coffee. Use that code DNVR30 today. NVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who will bring the real world into the classroom. And I know that's important to a lot of you guys. So MSU Denver graduates can use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members at DNVR are furthering their education down at MSU Denver this year and, and they've really had nothing but great things to say about it. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they had to offer. We're talking 40 plus online and hybrid programs and 750 total classes. Check out msudenver.edu slash online today. My boy, RK, what's up, man? This is quite a feel good Friday. No feel good Friday is going to feel better than this coming off a Broncos dub. And man, the next 10 days, the Broncos and Broncos country just get to sit with their team being 1-0 and in recent memory. Ryan, they're the only team in the NFL to win a game in October so far. Man, just cherish all of that. Yeah, I didn't even realize that based on the timing of the game being October 1st, uh, Vic Fangio goes on having zero career wins in the month of September, 0-7, and or oh, yeah, 0-6 or 0-7 in his uh, September career. Oh, yikes. Well, I think because of the way last year went, he could probably turn October into a winning month, right? Yeah, I would assume if so. If he sweeps, you know, it would only include you know a victory against the Patriots on the road, the Chiefs at home. But, hey, it's possible. And now, Ryan? The, like we said last night, the postseason's possible. You know what? You're telling me there's a chance. There is a chance. And, and, and yeah, this is a feel-good Friday, so we're going to feel damn good about it. But uh, there, there's a legitimate chance that this team can get themselves back on track. Now, they, uh, they, you know, they went as down, down near as close to hell as you can go. Uh, but sometimes that makes you a little bit stronger when you've seen the depths of hell. 
And so they, wow, we're getting deep right now. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, man, uh, you you don't come out the same when you've seen you know the fiery beneath. I mean, um, on, honestly, losing to the Jets this year and last night, if they would have done that, which they were only a few minutes away from, would have been the fiery, hot, burning lava flames of hell. <laughs> exactly and they stared it right in the face you know uh they brett rippon throws two interceptions awful ones and they're gonna lose that game if they don't you know pick themselves up by their bootstraps and forget about what just happened and go win a football game i mean they were at the gates of hell they're staring <laughs> right into it and they were second in line and they ran the other way uh and I'm telling you, man, once you've seen the inside of that place, <laughs> you don't want to go back there. So, yeah, are they going to have to uh, pull off some some pretty big upsets? Absolutely. But you just you come out changed, uh, and you definitely change after you felt the thrill of victory. So that's, what, that, that's where I'm at on this team right now is anything can happen uh, on any given Sunday. And, and I will be watching – uh, the Patriots closely this week because a lot of times you just get so up for a certain game. Uh, and I think the Patriots are going to be so up for this game. I think Cam Newton is going to be so up for this game. Sometimes you overextend yourself a little bit and, and that can result in different things, but also it's just really hard depending on the result of that game to get that, to get up that high again. And, and you often have let down games after big games like that, whether you win or lose. So Broncos need all the help they can get uh, when they take on the Patriots in a couple of weeks here and, and, or I guess in 10 days. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways they can get that help. Yeah, it, there, there certainly is. And Ryan, now that it's technically Patriots week for the Broncos, I got to get the most important question out of the way. What do you think Bill Belichick will be wearing during his press conferences this week? Maybe no shirt? Or like even a holier shirt, or what? What do we think? I'm thinking he cuts just the collar off of a sweatshirt, and puts that on. <laughs> just the collar? Yep, just wearing a collar, like he's uh, in from like the Thunder Down Under or something. <laughs> oh man, may, may, what what do you think he does with all of the the bottom halves of the arms of the sweatshirts? Do you think he keeps those and they're just in like a terrifying, creepy closet? Yeah, he sews them into quilts for his grandchildren. <laughs> oh, that's his tender side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, and it's, it's understandable as we start talking about the Patriots. I want to revisit some things from last night's game, and I think we talked about the big stars last night. We obviously covered Jerry Judy, and we covered Bradley Chubb, and we covered, you know, a lot of the guys who contributed to this win. But I, when I went back and watched the game, and when I just, you know, revisited in my head the points that I made throughout the podcast last night, I realized, man, there's two guys that I really didn't give enough credit to. And one guy really in particular that I didn't give enough credit to, and that's Tim Patrick. Uh, a lot of times on this show, we've been, I think, hard on Tim Patrick, is fair to say. Uh, mostly just saying, like, he's not a guy who is going to win football games for you. He's, he's a serviceable NFL receiver. Uh, and last night he said, F that, as he's been known to say in a press conference or two, uh, and, uh, and said, I can't go win a football game for, for my team. And he did. Uh, I did not 
give him enough credit last night, and and maybe we haven't given him enough credit ever. That was, you know, it was a bad secondary, bad football team, but he took advantage of them. 100 yards and a touchdown, that's a big boy game. Uh, and and I regretted not, not giving him enough credit. So, Tim, there you go. You deserve it. Hell of a game. Uh, and there's a, it deserves a lot of credit for that win. He played fantastic. Yeah, Timmy P. And, Ryan, I actually have two people as well, and, and Timmy Pats was one of them. I think we're on, on track with the other one as well on the other side of the ball. But w- Tim Patrick, he played up to his role that we've talked about perfectly last night, and he did it better than anyone could have. And his role is being a, a very good backup receiver, being Cortland Sutton's backup receiver. Now, last night – he probably played even better than that, leading the team in receptions, leading the team in receiving yards. Seven times the ball was thrown his way, and he caught the ball six of those times. That is very, very impressive. Of course, that, that toe-touch catch on the sideline, which was huge late in the game, and then, of course, the touchdown as well. So, yeah, it, good job on Tim because, man, the ideal role, at least what I thought he was, I thought his ceiling was like a great backup to Cortland Sutton, and he proved that last night he was a fantastic replacement for Cortland Sutton. I'm excited to see if Ryan, he kind of falls back to the role that we thought as, as a very good, solid backup, or if he's this guy that kind of needs to be on the field, even when Cortland's back, even when Jerry Judy's, uh, you know, in year two next year. K.J. Hamler's playing well, but right now, Ryan, Without K.J. Hamler, without Cortland Sutton, we knew Jerry Judy was going to be a big target. We thought Noah Fant was going to be a big target. Last night, didn't really have the opportunities there to be a huge target. But, man, if Tim Patrick steps up, that's going to take a lot of pressure off the rest of these young guys on the offense. Yeah, I mean, especially the rookies now. Who knows uh, what the deal is with K.J. Hamler? Who knows what the deal is with Noah Fant? I'll tell you this. Tim Patrick doesn't want to see the world where those guys aren't also out there creating problems for defenses. No one wants to see that world, but I'm, you know, as we're talking about Tim Patrick, uh, that will make everyone on the offense's life a lot more difficult if really they're looking and saying, okay, now really the two weapons are Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. Uh, it's going to make things way more difficult for Brett Rippon and, and Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, et cetera. So hopefully Noah – uh, was minor. It didn't seem too bad. You never want to see the cart. That always scares you. It does. Uh, it, it does seem like uh, he's fine. I, I was gonna say like a Garrett Bowles situation, but uh, hey, there was no there, there was no crying involved. Uh, Adam Schefter last night tweeted it's a minor injury. He's all fine. He'll be good to go. So I would think with that sort of initial diagnosis, Ryan, and with a long week that he would be good to go against the Patriots. But you're 100% right. Tim Patrick wants him back. Yeah, Tim Patrick. Everyone everyone wants him back. And K.J. Hamler, too. Man, I don't know what they're going to do with K.J. Um, you have to be more cautious than you already were. I mean, I said this from the second that the injury happened. Like, don't mess with this. You cannot mess with this or you will regret it. Guess what? They messed with it. They played him on a field that, honestly, they had no business playing him on. And, and football coaches will always say, like, oh, you can't, you can't coach scared. You can't play scared. Yes, you can. Uh, you can. And, and you should sometimes. Um, I didn't like Bradley Chubb being out there. I didn't like K.J. Hamler being out there. Now, if Bradley Chubb's not out there, they might lose the football game. So, and he didn't get hurt. Well, he didn't get seriously hurt. Um, and for that – That was a scare. You thank your lucky stars. 
Um, you, he, I mean, you see Bradley Chubb going into the medical tent. You might like I was ready to just find the nearest bridge. Um, <laughs> but he came out. I think okay. You can never be sure with this stuff. You know, he did finish a game on a torn ACL once. Not touch wood. Um, came out. I think okay, and and. You got away with that one, but you didn't get away with K.J. Hamler. Uh, I mean, hamstrings have been one of the big things on that field. And there you go. Uh, he tweaks it again. Now, so Ryan, I, I, I IR, do... is he going on IR? Yeah, well, and that's, that's my question to you because now we're in this, this opportunity right now for the Broncos to potentially play their way back in. We know how big the Patriots game is to get to two and three before bringing the Dolphins home. But then you also want to make sure that you don't mess KJ Hamler up specifically being a hamstring for a fast guy. So how do you deal with this? Is this something where you say that this next game is still not uh, important enough where you're rushing guys back or you know, with KJ, with Drew, with a couple of these guys, with AJ Boye, he is going to be able to return against the Patriots. Doesn't mean that he's 100% to return. Do you rush these guys back? How do you play it? Well, so what's your overarching question here? So how, because, because now there's some hope for this season, but we know how important this next game is beating the Patriots to continue that hope. But you have KJ and you say you want to play it smart with him. You want to play it smart with Drew other guys. You want to play it smart with how do you deal with that now? Because it would have been easy if the Broncos lost last night to say, sit everyone. No one's coming back until they're hundred percent healthy, but now there's that hope. So how do you personally balance that? Uh, it all, it's all based on re-injury risk. Um, you know, in Madden, they make it real simple for you. They say <laughs> the re-injury risk is low, the re-injury risk is medium, the re-injury risk is high. Do you want to play this guy or not? If it's low, I'll play him. If it's either of the other two, I won't. <laughs> um, and that's the decision the Broncos have to make. KJ Hamler, I guarantee you he comes up as high on that list. And that is like for six weeks at least. He is at high re-injury risk of that. And a lot of runners and other athletes will tell you it could take a year to get your hamstring back to a place where you're not afraid of hurting it and you don't feel like it's sometimes tugging on you that is terrifying um and so they got to be extra extra cautious with that one i I thought that it's already too late in my opinion for them to be extra extra cautious should have done it the first time around well, and Ryan, really quick on top of that, he tweaked his hamstring less than six weeks ago right now, so he was still in that window, like you're saying. Exactly. Uh, so you shelve him, honestly, for a long time, in my opinion. Uh, it sucks. That's what you got to do. Unless you just want to keep have, having him play for half games uh, or like, you know, one and a half, two and a half games and then getting hurt again. Um, with Drew, and this is by far the most – difficult and important decision here where is he in his pain uh recovery what does his shoulder literally look like uh is it still look like a big black and blue bruised mess if it does then it's probably not even a conversation worth having and i, I wouldn't be surprised if Vic Bangio today says it's not happening but i will say this if if he's in a position where he feels comfortable going out there 
Um, and the doctors say, yeah, I mean, it's going to hurt him if he falls on it, but it, he's not going to regress in his recovery from the actual, you know, l the slight amount of damage that was done. Then I think you could play him. Um, I don't think like the re-injury risk is is quite that high on Drew Locke, and you can play him in a way that he protects that um, as well as he can. You know, the stuff happens. If he gets thrown on the ground like Alexander Johnson did to Sam Darnold, well, he's probably going to have a setback. Dirty play? But, no, 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 no. But I will say they did they take that away because for a while that was an unnecessary roughness call. Uh, yeah, I just think they missed that call, honestly. I mean, he, he threw him to the ground. Man, if they get that 15-yard penalty, they, the Broncos might lose that game. They could not, <laughs> yeah. could not get a stop early. Um, we didn't even talk about the Sam Darnold run last night. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, we're talking about underrated players on this pod. Speak of underrated plays and just plays that came out of nowhere. Sam Darnold running for 46-yard touchdown. Yikes. So Sam Darnold shakes Alexander Johnson in the backfield, leaves Justin Simmons' ankles on the field, detached from his body, and then the one thing that I take issue with was he made it look like he's going to slide. I'm of the belief that if you do that, it should be a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> you cannot protect the quarterbacks with the vigor that you do and penalize – players like Kareem Jackson who I'm giving a big time pass here oh you're giving him the pass because if you watch the play when he lets up is right when Sam Darnold makes it look like he's gonna slide now Kareem Jackson absolutely should have got on his horse and tried to chase him down because you're Kareem Jackson and he's Sam Darnold but he takes his foot off the gas on that play right when Sam Darnold basically fake slides without like going into the motion he kind of like crunches up and slows down. And to me, that's, that is taking advantage of the rules in a way that's unfair. So um, did you think it was intentional that Sam did that? Like he, he was trying to trick because the, the way I saw it was that <laughs> Sam, if, if there was any chance of him getting hit, he was going down. He was like looking over his shoulder the whole time on the run. And I think he just realized, Oh my gosh, wait, no, one, no, one here. no one's going to hit me. <laughs> It could be, it could be that, but uh, Patrick Mahomes does this crap all the time, and I think it's garbage. Uh, he, but he usually does it on the sidelines, where he's running towards the sidelines, and then he slows his jog. He slows to a jog, and the defense lets up, and then he turns the boosters on and gets three or four more yards. And I'm just like, that should be a 15-yard penalty. That is manipulating the protection of yourself uh, in an unfair way. It's either that. Or allow dudes to blow them up on the sidelines to make sure that they don't do that crap. So that won't happen. Exactly. 15-yard penalty for deception. Uh, <laughs> I, or, or for uh, rule manipulation. Wow, now we've gone so soft. <laughs> I, no, it's not soft. What's, <laughs> it, the league has gone soft. Quarterbacks aren't allowed to get devoured on the sidelines anymore. And you can't have the best quarterback in the world taking advantage of the fact that the refs are out there to make sure he stays on the field. <laughs> Man, and, and uh, on the other side, it worked well for Jeff Driscoll yesterday. Not only picks up the nine, but gets the, uh, the 15. As it should have been. It was a, that was the right call. It was. Uh, 
and he didn't fake slide. He legit slid. <laughs> if he crouched down and everyone scattered and then he turned the boosters on and went into the end zone, you know, I would have an issue with that. So, anyways, circling back to our unsung heroes, I think <laughs> we're going to talk about the, the same guy here come out of the rabbit hole. Uh, Josie Jewell, man. Yep. We mentioned him last night, so it, it, it wasn't as a criminal as our omission of Tim Patrick. But Josie Jewell played fantastic. And I give a lot of the credit for that to the fact that he was used to, to his strengths for most of the game. Now, he was covering backs twice. Now, one time it was Frank Gore. Um, which I didn't really think about the fact when I, in the moment that, you know, he covered a wheel route on 37 year old Frank Gore. Maybe he doesn't deserve that, that much credit, but another one was on uh Kalen Bellage. So two times that I think he made great plays in coverage. And I don't, I just think there's something to his confidence being up based on the fact that he's doing what he does best, which is coming downhill. And then when he has to go off the ball, and away from the ball, he's just playing with more confidence. That's, I, you know, I'm, I'm maybe jumping to conclusions a little bit there, but I thought they just – that Vic Fangio did a right – a good job of calling the plays for Josie when he could, and then when he couldn't, Josie was able to make those plays for himself. Josie talked about in training camp, before the Broncos cut Todd, how he was just – he was looking for another opportunity to start. And he was like, you know, whenever it is, that's my goal is I want to be a starter – and maybe there was something to it. Maybe he's a guy that needs to be on the field 95% of the time to get into the flow because that's what he did last night. He was on the field 95% of the defensive snaps, pretty much all of them. And Ryan, he's the guy that we thought you take off the field in nickel packages. And Vic said, no, we're going to stick with Josie. And it, the game plan certainly helped with that by blitzing a lot of guys often. And Josie was one of those guys. But maybe Josie's just a guy that doesn't play well in relief when he's on the field 40% of the time. And I, we'll find out maybe the hard way or, or the good way in that these next couple of games. But I'm keeping him on the field, uh, especially this next game, playing Cam Newton. You need guys that are thumpers. Josie Jewell doesn't look like a big hitter, but we've seen him put on some big hits this season. And if, if he can blow up Derrick Henry, he can blow up Cam Newton, or at least he's not going to be afraid of putting a big hit on him. And Ryan, last night – a team high 10 tackles, two quarterback hits on Darnold, and also those two sacks. Josie, you know, it was Alexander Johnson last night. If Alexander Johnson, that's like a game that he would have last year. That would be like his best game last year. Ryan, what if somehow Alexander Johnson plays the way he did last year and you know a pro bowl level almost pro bowl level what if Josie takes that same leap this year under Vic Fangio just think about that the Broncos had so many opportunities whether it was in the draft whether it was in free agency to get a big time inside linebacker and every time to the surprise of everyone they said no what if it was because Vic Fangio identified Josie Jewell. You know, I think everyone was hard on the Broncos for letting Todd Davis go uh, because it did seem very much like a money grab to save $5 million for, for this season, which then you were going to roll over next season. What if somehow it was that they just liked Josie Jewell so much? Now, Ryan, I am not going to buy that. I don't know if I'll ever buy that. But the Broncos honestly may have lucked into Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell. Because remember, when they cut 
Todd Davis, Vic Fangio uh, was bummed about it, was really bummed about it. And I mean, Vic may have just lucked into Josie Jewell being a player. Absolutely. Or there could be something to be said for Vic Fangio knows how to scheme to a player's strengths. And we definitely saw it with Alexander Johnson last year. Uh, and maybe it just takes him, you know, a little bit of time to figure out what those strengths are. Um, he's going to need to figure out how to microwave these things in the future. The Broncos cannot start 0-3 every season that he's the head coach. Um, but it does feel like he gets better as the season goes on and the players get better in their roles as the season goes on. And you hope you just get to a point eventually where, you know, it's just plug and play. Um, but yeah, Josie was awesome. Uh, Bradley Chubb was awesome. Uh, Tim Patrick was awesome. Jerry Judy's catch gets better every single time I see it, <laughs> especially the fact that he stared down Pierre Desir after he caught it before he got in the end zone. So dirty. You'd love to see that from a rookie. I'd love it so much. Um, I didn't love the fact that Jerry Judy reposted literally every person who complimented him <laughs> on his Instagram story. Um, but you I, know, I saw the 500 dots at the top and said, I can't watch this. <laughs> I mean, it was literally just like, all of his friends being like, that's my guy. Oh, my God. That's dope. What a catch. I was just like, geez, man. Can we not do this next time? Like, You went to make- Alabama. Come yeah, on. I know. Like, let's make this a regular thing where you get in the end zone and then we don't have to do 500. Um, but the, the football team, I thought, played pretty darn well. And they overcame some adversity within the game, and I think that'll help them in the future. Um, but I just – where are you at on Brett Rippon? Because, you know, PFF is crushing him. Um, by the way, did you see the PFF stat about the uh, the quarterback ratings for minimum 50 attempts? No. Was, was, uh, was Brett not good? So in the NFL this year, let me get the exact stat. Let me see if I can pull it up quickly. So in the NFL this year, of quarterbacks who have attempted at least fifty dropbacks, I believe it is. Okay. Um, the five worst ratings in the NFL. PFF's oh lowest greatest quarterback, minimum fifty snaps. Let me guess, it's not just Brett Rippin on the list. Mm, There's a couple. Not. <laughs> The lowest in the league, Dwayne Haskins at 36.2. God, that's bad. The second lowest in the league, Brett Rippon at 40.5. The third lowest in the league, Drew Locke, 42.7. The fourth lowest in the league, Carson Wentz, (laughs) 47.3. And the fifth lowest in the league, Jeff Driscoll, 55.1. Wow, you know what I what I think when when I hear that is Ryan, the Broncos could have an opportunity next week to get four guys in that list. That is very true. <laughs> they, oh well, no, because Driscoll's fifth, so he would probably get pushed out. Oh. Unless well, you need Carson Wentz to play his way up, like have a really good game. Do you trust Carson in doing that? Uh, I actually think he will do well this week. Okay, so we could be looking at it. <laughs> Four or five, wouldn't that be something? Um, Yikes, three of five is something. You know, one of five is something. Yeah, the one thing I'll say here is PFF kind of screwed over the Broncos here, and they knew exactly what they were doing by lowering the 
the minimum snaps to 50. Right. Uh, Drew Locke did not play enough snaps for you to have a legitimate sample size on him. Um, and Jeff Driscoll didn't either, and neither has Brett Rippon. So Brett Rippon's the only one – let me make sure this is correct. So, okay, Drew and Brett are the only ones who have actually played a game start to finish. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, a little bit unfair. I think you needed to put it at 100 snaps minimum. That, and and, and that, that's totally fair. But, Ryan, you asked me how I feel about Brett Rippon, and I couldn't be more conflicted. I, I couldn't. I love the story, and I love most of what I've seen from Brett Rippon. But then and, – and, and I love the 37 points, and I love the win, and that would be so freaking difficult to go in and bench a guy that just got you your first win of the season, got you any momentum, brought some fun to the locker room and some energy. That would be so hard to do. But, Ryan, he's thrown four interceptions in four quarters in one drive. That's obviously not acceptable. And I just – I wish – that those interceptions would have been in the first two quarters, you know, two and a half quarters. But the fact that two of them were in the fourth quarter when you had the lead and that blew the game. I mean, you, you lost the lead because of those interceptions. That's just so tough to, to overlook. And I just think the Broncos, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos said, you know what, Blake Bortles isn't going to do that. This guy's experienced. He's not going to go out. And I didn't realize how bad Brett Rippon's fourth quarter was. Four completions on 10 attempts, 40%, only 55 yards, two interceptions and an 18 passer rating. And like I said, blew the game. Now, give credit to, to, to where it's due. He did help the Broncos get, get in field goal range for McManus to kick that field goal. And obviously he didn't have anything to do with Melvin Gordon. I guess he did. You know, he helped with that block. But as a quarterback, he did what needed to be done to win the game. I just really wish what makes it so tough is those two fourth quarter interceptions. So I am so conflicted on how I feel. Where are you at? I am 100% committed to giving him another start and I think anything other than that uh would quite honestly be ridiculous um did he make mistakes of course he made mistakes did he make costly mistakes of course he made costly mistakes we're talking about a kid making the first ever NFL start of his career if this was even Jeff Driscoll I would not be giving him this leash but this was the first start of his career he got a little overconfident is the only way I could put it because he didn't need to make those plays. Um, I also think maybe he was pressing. I don't know. I, I almost just feel like he lost sight of where they were in the game, and he just really wanted like to, to make plays for the team without thinking about time and score. That's a huge mistake. It's his first ever start. It's okay. Even if they lost the game, I'd be saying it's okay. Um, but they also came back and won the game based off of him making a couple really big throws. This guy made throws last night that Blake Bortles couldn't make in his wildest dreams. So <laughs> I think I want the upside of, of what Brett Rippon did last night way more than I'm afraid of the downside. I bet you 
that uh, he will not make a mistake like that if, if somehow the Broncos had the lead in the fourth quarter, quarter against the Patriots. But I just – man, I, I, there's so much sentiment around Broncos country about starting Blake Bortles, and it just it seems asinine to me. And crazy enough, and unfortunately for you, Ryan, I think that sentiment for, for starting Blake Bortles is the strongest inside the building. And, and that's just why I wouldn't be shocked to see a move made. But uh, well, even though I'm conflicted, what it boils down to me is two things. The eye test, I was very, very impressed with Brett Rippon and the eye test. He, he very much passed the eye test to me yesterday. I loved how composed he looked back there. And I like how he bounced back after two fourth quarters. I like how you just quarter. invented a word. Composed? Composed and poised. <laughs> composed. Composed. <laughs> or that sounds like how my aunt from New York would say composed. Composed. <laughs> and Ryan, and then there's another part to it is, man, Blake Bortles, I, I don't buy it right now. And he would still be starting a game in less than a month with being with the organization. Whereas Brett, he's been with the team for a very long time, knows the system. You would be changing the offense for Blake Bortles and not just in, uh, in, in a small way. You'd be changing it in a drastic way because he would not have the entire playbook down. So you would be handcuffed with what you were doing. And on top of that, a fourth different starting quarterback in four different games that isn't just tough for Pat Shermer that isn't just tough for the uh, for the quarterbacks themselves that is so hard on all of your offense and your entire team so to me I think you do need to let Brett stay in there ah, and when I say that though I just ah, the only thing that's holding me back is are you trending in the wrong direction and Bill Belichick could make you look like an, an absolute lunatic for doing this and th this is what my article was about on the dnbr.com last night so of course i posted it this morning and yet you have people coming out and responding to my article saying play brett uh at the beginning of the patriots game and if he struggles then put blake in i don't think that's the right answer either i, I think whoever you start next sunday against the patriots unless it's like a dumpster fire like four interceptions in the first half it's not just, ah, if he's not playing great, put someone else. No, no, no. You play whoever you, you start for the entire game. Yeah, uh, all three quarterbacks that the Broncos have at their disposal right now are very different skill sets. So your entire game plan has to be based on whatever the skill set of whatever quarterback you decide to ride with. Uh, and Bortles and Rippon are closer. Or I'm sorry, Bortles and Driscoll are closer in their styles. Um in the sense that they're both very bad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> their styles are more similar. You could maybe do some type of two-headed monster approach and running some zone reads and getting out of the pocket. I mean, Blake Bortles physically doesn't look like a guy who uh, was preparing to go run the ball 10 to 12 times in a game, but there were times in his career where he did things like that. So – Maybe there's something to be said for you can rotate those two guys. But if you're going to start Brett Rippon, you need to put together a game plan that's going to allow Brett Rippon to make plays against the secondary of the New England Patriots. And I just think you owe it to him, who is now 1-0 in his career as a starter, 
to give it another shot and learn from his mistakes and get better. No one is perfect in their first game. Um, and you can only get, you can only learn from those experiences. I mean, that is the first time he's seen that many consecutive snaps of NFL action. He'll learn from that and get better from that, but you, you know, you won't be able to reap the benefits from, from it if you just pull him because you want some guy who's been in the building for two weeks to start. At the end of the day, you can't bench a guy that just got you your first win. You, you, you can't. You can't do that. And who also put up 37 points. It's not like this was a defensive game. Ryan, Drew Locke is 0-1 this year when he's played a full game. And he only put up 14 points. And I know Vic Fangio didn't help him at the end of the game with the timeouts. But if he put up 20 points, the Broncos win that game. Week two, or I should say week three, when Jeff Driscoll got the start, he wasn't able to, to do anything with the Broncos. He did not get the win. Jeff Driscoll, I know it was against the Jets. He got the win. I don't know how you could go into that locker room and say, we're going to our fourth quarterback in a fourth game despite just getting a win. I, I don't know how you can do that. And I don't think that's something that I'll be able to get over in the next couple of days. So if it's me, it is Brett Rippon. You really hope that that fourth quarter does not show up again in any quarter, but he passed the eye test to me. I like, did I just convince you? Yeah, I've been, th I've been so borderline. But, but at the end, you can't bench a guy that just won your game, right? You got one win. It was his game. And, and Zach, those 37 points are all legit. There, we weren't, there's no defensive touchdown here. There's no blocked punt. There's no, you know, there was one big return from Deontay Spencer, but not that big. Uh, not like got you inside the 10 or anything like that. I mean, I, I kept thinking like, man, he doesn't feel like he played well enough for 37 points. And trying to look for the gap in the logic there. I mean, of course, you do have the Melvin Gordon run at the end, which he didn't have anything to do with. But he scored 30 points. Yeah. A legit yeah. 30 points. And that's um, tough to do in this league. And it's especially tough when you're wearing orange and blue these past few years. Exactly. So. I don't know. Here's the way I look at it. If they start Blake Bortles, they're giving me a reason to, to rip them for getting beat by a playoff team. So, you know, that'll be fun after the game if that's what they decide to do. <laughs> if they start ripping, I think you, you just, you're going to, you're going to go to bed sleeping fine with whatever happens. Uh, and if you need it, and then if you decide after that game, you want to go start Bortles in Miami because ripping, you know, got torn apart by New England, well, then you're fine. But I, I, I'm in no belief that Blake Bortles gives them a better chance to win. So because of that, I don't think it, it's a decision that, can, uh, that, that I can uh, sign off on. There's also so much less pressure on the coaching staff if they just go with Rippon. And un unfortunately, sometimes that does take into account on what a coaching staff does is What's going to make me look worse? Well, what's going to make you look worse is if Blake Bortles goes out there, you bench the guy that just got your first win, and Blake Bortles and the Broncos offense pick up 12 points against New England as they go out and put up 36 on you. That looks really bad. If, if Brett Rippon goes out there, Ryan, and he has three interceptions in the first half and the Broncos put up 12 points, well, okay, now you pull the plug. And now it's the good coaching move to move on from him. But people aren't, aren't going to be killing the Broncos for starting Brett Rippon, even if it turns out to be bad. So, yeah, Ryan, 
you helped me. This was a nice therapy session for me. Th thanks for guiding me through my thoughts and helping me here. And thanks, thanks for all for attending my session today. And you got to start Blake, or not Blake. <laughs> you got to start Brett Rippon against the Patriots. And you know what? If they start Blake Bortles and he goes out there and beats the Patriots, I'll happily admit that they know better than me. Absolutely. Absolutely. But from what we know, they did not know better than us about Devontae Bosby. They did not know better than us about Damar Dotson. So we've got, uh, we've got history on our side. We do. Uh, and that's just this season so far. <laughs> yep. Uh, one place that definitely knows better than us when it comes to making damn good beers is Breckenridge Brewery. They are elite at making damn good beers. And uh, one of the newest ones out there is the Palisade Peach Beer. And, oh, man, is Zach, if you haven't had it yet, you're going to love it. Uh, the peach notes are very forward, but you also get that great beer taste that Breck – I think Breck might be the kings of the universe when it comes to giving you the fruit in the beer without taking the beer away from the beer. Uh, and they just hit another one out of the park. I'm still partial to Strawberry Sky, but this one, uh, this Palisade Peach, is is fantastic so make sure you uh check that one out or check out whatever kind of beer you like if you're a porter guy if you're an amber ale guy if you're a hop you know an, an ipa guy whatever it is that you love breckenridge brewery does it well and uh so make sure you head down to the liquor store on this friday get yourself some breck brews lot of happy betters out there who picked the Broncos last night. And if you want to be a happy better this weekend, make sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook because they are offering their can't miss deal again. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team. And if that team wins, you win $100. And if, if betting on football isn't what you want to do because, you know, you just like sticking with the Broncos and the Broncos have played yesterday, well, DraftKings is giving two fan, or basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and they make it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNBR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code DNBR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Zach, did you hear about um, the uh, props that we picked last night that both hit on, on uh, the Broncos game? Those were money. We had shortest field goal under 27.5 money. Longest field goal over 45.5 money. Money. I mean, the 27-yard the field goal, why did you feel so confident about that? Red zone offense, man. No. You, you yeah. imagine a team is going to get inside the 10-yard line and not be able to score a touchdown. I mean, yeah. That's what, that, that's what these teams do. That's what bad teams do. Uh, so even though the Broncos – I need to just, like, go rewatch all the scoring drives. How did they get to 37 points? Uh, it still baffles me. <laughs> I, I would have thought that Rippon had, like, four touchdowns or something. I know. 
who scored all the touchdowns? Melvin had two. Of course, the Devontae Booker running straight into the back of Nick Vanette touchdown. And, yep. oh, and the one at the end of the game, too. So there's four right. touchdowns for you. And then money, McManus money. Money McManus. Right. He had three field goals. Yeah. Boy, it's, it's, kind of, it's, the... it's crazy, Ryan, how easy it is to put points up in the NFL. I just forget. <laughs> I know. It really is. And overs have been hitting at an alarming rate so far this year in the NFL, uh, with last night being no exception. If you would have given me um, plus 400 on the total to go over 50 points, I wouldn't have taken it. No. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I thought you would just be burning your uh, burning your money. I don't even know how high you would have had to put it for me to just sprinkle it. I didn't think there was any chance, but defenses are really having a hard time out there this year. Yeah, they they really are. Man, I did not – how many points were scored in total? Man, math, so 50 – so 65? Holy 30, cow. Yeah, over under 64 and a half. <laughs> Honestly, that would have had to be plus 1,500. <laughs> Man, that would be a nice – that would make Feel Good Friday even better. Sure would, but we'll take our, our field goal props instead. Uh, we also had Brett Rippon over 18 and a half completions. Ooh, there you go, sitting at 19. I love it. 19 and man when he had those two straight drives with interceptions he had like 17 going into those I was like there's no way this is happening <laughs> um, let's get into the questions from the listeners and we start with Butch Cassidy he says first things first our 50 yard eight yard field goals were extremely close this week Brett led Sam in every category minus completions but only had two TDs Brandon kicked a 54 yard field goal I had him kicking a 58 and a Jets receiver had over 100 yards crazy now please Please listen to me. If these coaches have any love at all for this team and Drew Locke, do not bring him back before the bye, especially not against New England. Bill will break him. Hell, KC will break him. Give Drew every opportunity to get healthy and then go out and kick Atlanta's butt. This is Drew's best chance to succeed, but to take even more pressure off him, we need to beat Miami. Who might we get back from injury for that game, and would those players help us pull out a win over the Dolphins? Well, you definitely could have A.J. Boyette, which would be a huge help, um, especially Ryan Fitzpatrick is maybe the biggest wild card in the NFL week in and week out. He can go out and put up 400 yards, four touchdowns, a perfect passer rating, and I, no kidding, the next week he can go out and put up 98 yards and four picks and get benched by the third quarter. I mean, he and he's been like that throughout his whole career. So he's a guy where if you have Boye, man, that's really going to help you avoid the four touchdowns and 400 yards. Uh, so that's a big one. Uh, it, I would really, really think, Ryan, that you'd have Philip Lindsay back, um, which would help, obviously, the Broncos' offense a ton. Drew Locke, I'm not, not as confident saying he'll be back, but there's definitely a chance. And I think that's pretty much it. I think everyone else is on IR during that time. Yeah, um, you could definitely – you should expect to have Boyer and Lindsey back. In fact, I would expect them to be back this week. Yeah, I, I definitely expect Philip Lindsay to be back. I'm not as confident uh, on Boyer. I know there's a lot of conflicting stuff out there, but from what I've heard, it may be just a little bit longer on him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from Michow, I, oh, did I get that right? No, from well, – I've missed something crazy happened. It happens. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. Love Thunder yeah. down under. Well, thank Beep for that. 
Denver's offense scored 37 points. Against the Jets, sure, but it's more than the Bills, 49ers, and Colts did. John Elway and Gary Kubiak, I'll see your quarterback do it and raise you a horse, beep, lock, and a big beep, ripping. Defense gave up 28. Well, they really only gave up one touchdown and were otherwise pretty in control. Though I did hear that John Elway wants to trade for and start Brandon Mann at safety after Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons were all made to look like waps by some quarterback who looks and runs like an angry, red-headed Harry Potter. All in all, though, they did Broncos country proud. So, you given BDR the start against the Pats? I sure as hell am. And I am as well. And he ends with saying, P.S. Zach, when you predict a score of 13 to 12 to the Jets, you're taking the under, bro. Hashtag old takes exposed. Hashtag I checked the pod. Ryan, love thunder down under. Has just been tearing me up the past 14 hours. He, he's been relentless. And he was coming at me yesterday for saying, um, you know, how, how do I feel about the under that I took? And I said, I didn't, I didn't take an under. I didn't take an under. I said this game was ugly. Yes, my score prediction was 25 points. So by that, I liked the under. But don't you have to tell someone that you're taking it to take it? I mean, just because I thought the score would be 25 doesn't mean I took the under, right? I think at some point on the pod last week, though, you said the, the under is free money. Yeah, but I didn't take it. I didn't take <laughs> uh, it. You didn't, but someone else might have faced off of your analysis. <laughs> well, we all had the under hitting. Oh, not only did I take the under, I also took the super under that DraftKings was offering, which was under 29 and a half at like plus 400. Um, I gave that, as Andre would say, the old college sprinkle. So, <laughs> uh, I, you know, if you don't want to do it, I will do it. I took the under and I was wrong. As hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I was certainly wrong. I did not see 65 points coming at all. Okay. Going back to this very important point to be made here. BD Rippin doesn't sound nearly as good as BD Brett. Mm, yes. So unless you want to go BD Rip. Right. That has some more synergy to it. I'll, I'll accept those two. But, uh, Either way here, we're going with uh, – defense didn't give up 28, right? They only gave up 21 because there was a pick six. Right, exactly. Um, are, we starting, are we starting BDB against the, the Pats? Yes, we've both come to an agreement on that. Couldn't, um, couldn't BDB, though, be uh, BD Blake or BD Bortles? Yes, it could be. <laughs> it could be. But he's already the boat. Right, right. Yeah, we're not changing his name. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, we'll take that. And as for Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons, they got some splaining to do in the in the film room today, <laughs> especially Justin. Yeah, that's that. There's nothing else you can say but embarrassing on that play. And Alexander Johnson, un untouched as a rusher too. I will say, uh, rewatching that play, I think Sam Darnold set Alexander Johnson up. Uh, and so I'm going to give him a little credit for that. I think he saw him all along, but wanted, uh, wanted Alexander Johnson to think he didn't see him. So he just thought he was going to like blindside him and, and lay him out. And just like at the last second, he just glances and ducks. And I'm like, man, that's uh, I think that was pretty good eye manipulation by the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he made a very last second move. And, and so he would do that to have, 
Alexander just be running full speed instead of breakdown or something. Exactly. So if Sam Darnold sees him coming and starts to bail out of the pocket, then Alex then Alexander's going to break down or he's going to get into chase mode and you know try and grab an ankle or something like that. But instead, he just he's staring left, staring left. Johnson's coming right here, and then like right when he knows he's there, he just kind of dodges him. I think I think that was by design. I'm going to give uh, Sam Darnold a little bit of credit there. As for Justin, he just didn't break down. Um, as for Kareem, I'm giving him a little bit of a pass, but also he gave up on the play after that. So he, he gets a, he gets like a nothing and then a minus. <laughs> okay. Okay. Chilongo Bronco. Hey guys, just a couple of quick thoughts regarding the game. It is so obvious that Bosby is the third best cornerback on the team and Dotson the best right tackle. MetLife Stadium is way worse than Estadio Azteca after a rainy Shakira concert. P.S. Was that Sylvester Williams playing? Much love. No, that was Deshaun Williams that you saw out there yesterday. Sylvester, I don't believe, is officially signed yet, right, Zach? He is working out with the team today. So, yes, not officially signed. Man, that'll be, that'll be a 360. I, I feel like he's been out of the league forever now. I was like – I don't mean this in like a bad way or anything, but like I remember seeing Sylvester Williams on his last day in the Broncos locker room, and I was just like – very confident. This is the last time I'll ever see this person again in my life. <laughs> um, so, like, I, if you would have given me a list and said, like, the Broncos are bringing back one of these 100 former players, rank them. I might have put Sylvester Williams, like, in the, in the lower third. <laughs> yeah, man, he went and got paid in, in Tennessee, and I haven't heard his name since. Nope, nope, neither did they. Um... <laughs> Unless maybe the Broncos just really like whatever the defensive line coach in Tennessee is doing over there. They're just like, give us as many of those guys as we can. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, that was Deshaun Williams. But how about the story with Tim Jernigan? Wow. He did not he, – he, today is his first day in Denver. He had a jersey on last night. Yeah, that is – Do you he, realize how wild that is? And he played one defensive snap. So I guess because he was on a team, he didn't have to go through the same protocols uh, for COVID, which a little concerning to me um, because like he was cut for a whole week. Right. Oh, and he had to, you know, probably get on his own plane. I'm sure he wasn't given a private charter. You think they made him fly like Delta to, to meet them there? <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know. Man, that's crazy. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, I, I, I have to assume he was flown in privately. Gosh, I mean, you would think with all these restrictions and like, guidelines and everything. I can't imagine, like, Tim Jernigan, ready to go play for the Broncos, getting off Delta flight out of row, like, you know, 37 <laughs> or, like, 27E, then walking out, getting some Wetzel's pretzels, um, <laughs> Going to baggage claim and then like meeting the Broncos driver out uh, at the pickup. But also think of this. Can you think of Tim Jernigan getting his own private jet to fly him to meet the Broncos? Hmm. Maybe, I mean, he's made some money. Maybe he just did it himself. In order to like get the game check this week? Right. Yeah. He's like, oh, that'll pay for itself. Hmm. I'm still surprised that the NFL didn't make him go through like a, a three-day process. Certainly, uh, he had to pass a test. 
He did. He passed. I believe it was just one test. Maybe it was a test. Maybe it was two tests. Yeah. But I mean, he did not go through the full process. Yeah. Pretty odd. Anyways, this man played for the Broncos. Did he play any snaps? One. One defensive snap. This man played for the Broncos last night, having not only never been into a practice, <laughs> never even been to the team facility. That is, that is something else. That is Where, something else. Do you think he signed his contract in the car on the way to the game? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. We got to get this story. That's a good story. <laughs> it is. It is. From Dead Tone 2, a.k.a. Mace, you're muted. He actually is muted. He's been muted the whole podcast. <laughs> uh, he's sitting here. He hasn't said a word. Bosby, Dotson, Rippin. Why do we wait? Seriously, what are the actual politics here? Or are evaluators just whiffing? Also, any word from the team on those turf conditions? Uh, we didn't hear anyone complain about it last night, I don't believe. Um, why did they wait? What are the politics here? Okay, well, let's go through each case one by one. Devontae Bosby, what are the politics here? Uh, well, there's a draft pick ahead of him, and there is Vic Fangio's like personal diamond in the rough signing ahead of him, plus Bryce Callahan, uh, who of course makes a lot more money than him. So that's the politics there. And Vic, he's just always had something. I don't want to say against Bosby, but I don't know the other word. He like he knows how good he can be, so he holds him to a higher standard. But then when he doesn't hit that standard, I think he knocks him more than he knocks anyone else. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, the relationship there, I don't even know why Devontae Bosby like, wants to be there. <laughs> right. um, he's very clearly at the least the third best corner on the team. Right. I might even try to make a case that he's the second best outside corner on the team. And remember, he was right in the thick of things for the Broncos' third corner job throughout all of training camp, and it came as a surprise when he didn't win it, and it came as a massive surprise when they cut him. I guess there might, uh, you want to talk politics. They also didn't have to guarantee his salary by uh, not having him on the team because he is a vested veteran. Right. Um, so a lot, a lot of little tricks that happen uh, and they did uh, risk losing him by doing that. They sure did. Uh, Dotson, what are the politics there? That one I have a hard time figuring out. Um, and they, it's why we've been so in. <laughs> yeah, it's why we've been so incredulous about this decision this entire time. Uh, Wilkinson's not a draft pick. He's not a Munchek guy or anything like that. He's a holdover from a previous staff as an undrafted free agent that they brought in. And he doesn't have a big contract, a long contract. He has the same contract as DeMar Dotson. It's baffling. I mean, the only thing I can think of is uh, that they truly know DeMar Dotson is like a stopgap. But it's okay because you have Juwan James coming back. I, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Nope, but I would not be surprised to see him start the next 12 games or whatever they have left. Nope. Um, and then Rippon, what are the politics there? <sighs> That's just bad decision-making. Uh, they should have known from the start that he was a very capable backup. They would have saved $2.5 million on Jeff Driscoll this season. Um, and then what, whatever 900000 that they're going to pay Blake Bortles, if they keep him on the team, Bortles' salary isn't guaranteed. Uh, but th that was just bad evaluation, in my opinion. Um, this, like, this need to think you have a veteran quarterback. 
name me one thing that Jeff Driscoll does that makes him look like more of a veteran than Brett Rippon when he's on the field. Man, that uh, that fake handoff last night was pretty good. It was. Where was that when he was the starting quarterback? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, it's either that they truly didn't evaluate Brett Rippon at all last year, which is criminal if you're going to have a guy on your team, even on your practice squad. Uh, it's either that they didn't trust their evaluation of him, or it's just, and I think what it comes down to, is they felt more comfortable having that V word in their organization, having a veteran be a backup to a young quarterback in Drew Locke, which to me is silly to get a veteran just to get a veteran. Yeah, I will say this, though. I, I hadn't thought about this until right now. Rippon, a Scangarello guy. Shermer, uh, uh, Driscoll, clearly a Shermer guy, right? You'd think so. I, I feel like that must have changed now that Brett Rippon made uh, Pat Shermer's offense look respectable. <laughs> you would think so, man. Oh, we haven't even thought of the idea, and I think it's because the Broncos aren't thinking of it. What if, what if Jeff Driscoll's in the conversation about starting against New England? Spare me. I thought you were going to say we haven't even thought of the fact that uh, the Broncos could have three off- could have another new offensive coordinator next year. But let's not talk about that after they just scored 37 <laughs> points. Give, we'll give them their day in the sun. Uh, Elroy Jetson. Go Broncos, go DNVR. That is all. Love it. And go Elroy Jetson. Next one coming in from me, Chow. A hypothetical question for you guys. Brett Drippins leads the Broncos to two more wins over Pats and Dolphins and are now 3-3, three and three, heading into a huge home tilt versus the Chiefs. But Locke has been medically cleared to play. Who starts? I'm not saying Rippin is a better quarterback than Locke, but in this scenario – has he not earned the start? Obviously, this is far-fetched, but would be extremely interesting if it went down this way. Also, props to the kicker. He's the Broncos' MVP thus far. Love not calling the kicker by name. <laughs> it's such, such a classic kicker thing. <laughs> it's old-school coach <laughs> energy right there. Um, you know my answer to this, Zach. You don't break something that's not broken. You don't, you don't try to fix something that's not broken. You win, you start. Period. End of story. Until it ends. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing if uh, you know they they did lot they did lose to the Chiefs. Then you get a bye to fully bring Drew Locke back into the fold. Um, I think if that happens, yeah, you do go with the hot hand. Although the Saints last year wasn't Teddy Bridgewater five and zero, and it and now that's different because you have a, a Hall of Famer there. So you know uh, I, I get how that's different too. But Ryan. Uh, I, I was gonna say, what if, what if Rippin has the same game that he had last night, the next two games? But if he does that, the Broncos just aren't going to win. I, I don't think he's gonna win either of them. So I do think he'd have to play pretty darn good. And if he does that, you you roll with Rip. And then if he beats the Chiefs, well, then of course you're rolling with him uh, on a four-game win streak, having beat the Patriots and the Chiefs, one of those on the road going into a bye, you're rolling with the 24-year-old Brett Rippon. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's highly hypothetical, but <laughs> it's very simple to me. You win, you play. Like, there's nothing else to be thought of. So let's go, let's go two more weeks down this. Brett Rippon beats the Chiefs. So the bye week, he's obviously your quarterback going into Atlanta on the road. What if you lose that game? Now, are you, are you pulling the switch instantly to Drew for your next away game in, in, in Las Vegas? Oof. That now it depends on how he looked. Okay. 
Okay, um, just in he, that game? No, no, no. The whole the whole okay. sample now comes into play. Okay. Was he looking like a franchise quarterback? Um, because, you know, it's tough to marry yourself to the idea of someone with a not very strong arm uh, being your franchise quarterback, but it's been done before. If that's hard for you to marry to, imagine how hard that would be for John Elway to get right, married right. to. But I'm telling you, if he's looking, if he's putting up franchise quarterback numbers, I'm talking 300 yard games, three touchdowns, one interception, throughout that streak. Now this season has become about finding out if Brett Rippon is your franchise quarterback. Man, that would be something else. Man, I hope we're having this conversation. That would be a blast. <laughs> sure would. Uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine it but you know what that's probably what someone was saying on a not a podcast but a radio show when tom brady came in and started making plays and looking really good yeah they're like you know they're like trying to convince themselves they're like i mean this guy keeps playing like this like you can't say he's not a potential franchise quarterback yeah exactly and then in 20 years people will be having the conversation is it is it uh 87 year old vic fangio or is it 44-year-old Brett Rippon, who, who's been the real answer in Denver? That's amazing. <laughs> uh, next one here from Larry Den Jr., LDJ. You know what? I want to see what this team has when healthy. Yeah, we all do, man. And the only way I can do that is if you let the best players play. Please, Fangio, please, can you activate Albert Ocho Cinco? And last but far from least, let Devontae Bosby start three PBUs in two quarters. Let that man be great, Fangio. How dare he have been on the practice squad, man. We can be competitive, but you have to let the best players play. Put Callahan in the slot, Bosby and Mike on the outside. Please, Fangio. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there begging with you about, about Bosby, and we've already talked about him, Ryan, but on the flip side, what do you do at tight end? Do, do, you, do you bring in Albert Okuwebunam, and who's that in place of? Obviously, it's not in place of Noah Fant. Jake Butt and Nick Vanette were out there last night, and Jake Butt was targeted once, I believe, did not have a catch, uh, and Nick Vanette was targeted twice, one catch for seven yards. Are you bringing in the rookie? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually uh, – I don't care, anyone. Um <laughs> I I I think I might. It's probably crow eating time on um, Nick Vanette. I mean, Jesus, he looks useless out there. Uh, he's not making big plays in the run game, from what I saw. Um, I haven't keyed on him uh, to make sure I'm right in that, but he didn't. I didn't see any impact blocks, and he's certainly not making any plays in the passing game. Um, so all the people who said he's just Jeff Hireman 2.0. They look correct on this one. I was wrong. When I saw him in training camp, I said he looks better than Nick. Uh, he looks better than Jeff Hireman to me. Shoot, uh, he—I don't even know if he's lived up to the Hireman line yet. Yeah, he looks—he looks like Jeff. That's for sure, and <laughs> not the best thing you want to be saying. Now, that's not going to happen, though. I think if the Broncos bring in Alberto and they only want three tight ends active, it's going to become, or it's going to come at Jake Butt's expense, just because of—I mean. Vic Fangio was heartbroken earlier this week, talking about how he had to tell Nick Vanette that he was going to be inactive last week. He said, I never want to, I, you know, I never want to have that conversation again. I'm like, oh my gosh, what has Nick Vanette done, Vic? So I think it would be in place of Jake Butt. And I wouldn't do that. I would probably do Nick Vanette instead. But that's what I think. If and when that happens, that's what it would come down to. 
they've both been equally unimpactful. Um, so I don't really care who you take out. But Albert O, Kuebunam, and uh, and uh, Noah Fant on the same field, that intrigues me. That yeah. seems like something that could make plays happen. Yeah. Uh, I want to see that happen. I also want to see you guys go down to Chevalier Mortgage by calling Mike and Virginia Chevalier at 303-257-6578. Mike and Virginia are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they've supported DNVR for a long time, and they're diehard DNVR members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. You can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, you can get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debts, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So make sure you check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. Mike Chevalier, NMLS number 1931-006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910 Guys, we want you to get out on the golf course this weekend, but you don't have to go anywhere to do that. Just download WGT Golf. It's the most popular golf game in the world, and it's the official gaming partner of DNVR and, of course, Zach Stevens' favorite game the past decade. So make sure to go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. Then go into the clubhouse section and join DNVR3 Clubhouse. That's DNVR and the number three next to it to join our clubhouse and get in on all of the awesome tournaments we have. We have a tournament every single weekend and we want you guys to play with us. Probably got another major coming up soon. We had one last week where there were cash prizes, DNVR merch up for grabs for the best of those out there. So make sure to get in, start practicing for the next major that rolls around and we're playing real courses like Pebble Beach and St. Andrews and we want you to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download the free WGT Golf app. That's dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. Okay, next one here from Phil. Is that who we got? That's it. Phil, 88-41. Great win by the Broncos. Just a thought on why they didn't roll with ripping us back up from the beginning. I'm betting the coaches didn't see a lot from Brett at the end of training camp last year. He was a rookie on the practice squad, after all. So they go into this offseason believing they need a more experienced backup in Driscoll. We can question that choice all over. But I'm seeing the, that setting that issue aside for this comment. There were no OTAs to see how Rippin has progressed, and they didn't see him until training camp, and he's the third string. I'm guessing they had a clue that he'd improved a lot at that point, but there wasn't much risk in putting him on the practice squad for another year. I guess the TLDR is that they signed Driscoll because they didn't know how much Brett improved from last year, and now they know. Go Broncos. Get healthy soon, A.J. Boye, Jeremy Atachu, Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant, K.J. Hemler, and, of course, Drew Locke. Yeah, again, like, you see these guys every day. It's your responsibility to know these things. Not, you know, it's not a guessing game for them. It might be a guessing game for you and me, Zach, but they should have seen his improvement over the course of last season's practices. Uh, and they should have been able to project a little bit for him. That's why there's millions and millions of dollars in that industry, right, Ryan, uh, of scouting your own players, scouting other teams' players, scouting guys that are coming out of the draft. It's a millions of dollars just for each team. So, yeah, it, there really shouldn't be any excuses there. But I understand what you're saying, Phil. And, man, 
every time I see the Broncos injury report and players that are injured, it is just wild. VR, though, chiming in. I don't think the highest-paid safety in the league gets juked out of his shoes by Sam Darnold. Maybe the sixth highest-paid would. Proud of Brett Rippon. Pencil him in as the backup for the next five seasons. I hope Drew can come back before the Pats game uh, as he looked good on the sideline, but not getting my hopes up. Feel good to have some positivity in Broncos country again. And amen to that, VR, though. Great to be talking about a win, and it comes at the best time when you have 10 days before the next game. Yeah, man, it feels like the sun is shining a little brighter in Denver today. I hope, uh, I hope that can stay. Most definitely. Sir James Radio, last night the Broncos took a licking but kept on ripping. Yeah, that's all I really got. We can't all be the count, LOL. Oh, also, hashtag free Sam Darnold. Kid deserves so much better than the trash he's stuck with. I preface this with the fact that I'm a big Trojan homer, but if for whatever reason John and Co. come to the unlikely conclusion that Locke isn't their guide, then I hope they would have a serious discussion about acquiring Darnold. What was that about a big Trojan? <laughs> He's got a big Trojan. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, geez, that kid looks legit. You know, you don't get to see the Jets very often, but when they're playing against your team, you realize Sam Darnold is a playmaker, man. Um, that's really, I feel, I, I don't remember how many times I've watched him play, but man, you put, you put him on the bills. I think you're seeing a similar arc to Josh Allen right now. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So Ryan, would you feel comfortable building this team around Sam Darnold after this year? Let's say the Jets get Trevor Lawrence, they get a new coaching staff. They say, we, we just need to, to give Sam to a good place. You know, you only have to trade a second round pick or something like that and I guess you're not sold on what you see from Drew Locke this year um for a second round pick it's definitely worth a try now I hope you use your first round pick to give him better protection than he had in New York because if you're going to put him in the same situation well you know that that fake definition of insanity comes back to mind (laughs) um you know doing the same thing and expecting different results but if you could protect him he is an NFL quarterback and one that I believe could be very good. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And man, you see much of the ghosts, the scars for him last night? Not really. No, it, it just seemed like he was under pressure a lot. Yeah, definitely under pressure a lot, but he made a lot of plays to get out of that pressure. And that's, that was dealing with an AC joint sprain in his left shoulder. Yeah, he, I mean, he showed a ton of toughness, ton of toughness last night and that self sack he had he just tripped over himself that wasn't like seeing ghosts yeah yeah (laughs) salty butler dang it feels good to get a win i know some people are upset about that that this could take us out of the trevor lawrence discussion but i don't subscribe to losing if the jets do end up driving trevor drafting trevor and god forbid we decide drew isn't the long-term solution at quarterback what are your guys' thoughts on the broncos wow. trading for darnold i think he'd wow. at least have a better chance succeeding here with this roster as is injuries and all that's freaking wild like, that's <laughs> yeah. not like a you know that, that's like a pretty off the path question yeah <laughs> and somehow we just discussed it five seconds before the question so i'll change it up just a bit ryan would you be comfortable trading a first round pick for sam darnold let's say you end uh, in with the 12th overall pick no okay 
you need that pick to fortify your roster to help Sam Darnold. Now, he definitely would have better weapons. That's another thing we haven't talked about. I mean, the best weapon they've given him there is Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell has been trash uh, when he's playing. So he would instantly have, uh, I mean, just tenfold a better group around him. You just you do need to protect him, though. You, you really, uh, you know, you look at, unfortunately for me saying this, but you look at, like, Carson Wentz as an example. If you don't protect a guy, man, just over to, it's not going to take long for you to not have the same quarterback you used to have. Yeah, it's pretty wild how quickly that's happened in Philadelphia. Yep. Yep, it sucks. Um, from Lock the Casbah, may not get this comment in in time, but a win feels so good. And you guys are taking your victory laps over the coaching staff for saying players like Dotson should have started. I'll take my, coach, uh, my victory lap for saying this Denver team is fundamentally a much better team than the Jets. It was close. But look at their coaching and all those penalties. These teams are separated by a small but significant and definitive margin. You know what? I realized just now when I was getting ready to go to sleep last night, when I was just – I couldn't in my head figure out how the Broncos scored so many points when it didn't feel like Brett Rippon played all that well. And then it came to me, and I forgot to bring it up on the podcast today. The penalties. Yeah. The penalties are what made that happen. Six personal fouls, multiple – uh, you know plays downfield that were extended uh, you know first downs on pass interference just atrocious uh you know disciplined football from from the jets 11 penalties for 118 yards is so bad but what's even worse ryan is just how bad timed pretty much all of them were i mean it was on third down when the broncos were gonna have to punt multiple times and the broncos ended up only punting once because of all of that, I believe. And Ryan, the Jets were so bad, they really helped the Broncos because the Broncos were not good in penalties. They had eight penalties for 94 yards, almost 100 yards. That is so bad, too, yet the Jets were just even worse. Uh, just just shockingly bad from the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's like those are the things that – when you see it from a third-party perspective, you realize, oh, okay, this is what makes bad teams this bad. <laughs> right, exactly. He goes on to say, so many players shine in this game. Ojemudia looks like a starting QB, uh, CB for a while for us. Bosby might leapfrog Bassey for fourth cornerback or, or in nickel. Chubb's two and a half sacks. Uh, Asaj, some of my fears about him just being average, uh, slightly above average. Tim Patrick showing us why he was named a starting receiver and could be a long-term piece for us. Really quick. You're with me on Ojemudia, right? There's still a lot of Ojemudia hate out there in the Broncos universe. I, every time I watch him, I, I get higher on him. Yeah, me, me too. I think he's had, honestly, one bad, one really bad play, and it was getting beat for an 85-yard touchdown. Uh, I don't really put that other touchdown in the Steelers game on him because Big Ben had time. Uh, I'm really high on Oj. Yeah, I, I keep seeing just like, crazy takes about oh john on twitter and i'm like are we are we all watching the same game i have to think it's because of the other two third round corners that the broncos have drafted just not working out so people see one bad thing about a third round corner in oge and they say oh my gosh i you know he he's already i have to imagine that plays into it i like that theory i like that theory they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop (laughs) yeah Finally, he says, one thing I don't like to uh, think we talk about enough when discussing tanking, whether to start players in a losing season, et cetera, is the Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Legacy, and Hall of Fame implications. 
Even good players on bad teams aren't consistently recognized for all-pros and Pro Bowls, meaning being a truly bad team for even a year can make it way harder to, for a player to get an accolade they deserve, like a Pro Bowl for that player or eventually the Hall of Fame. But playing them and getting them injured can hurt as well, a catch-22. But I don't think this is brought up enough uh, in discussions of we can't make the playoffs, we want to lose games to get a better pick. Uh, thanks. What do you think? Yeah, I, I just – We've never talked about like truly tanking for Trevor because I I don't think that would ever happen here. Now, if you're bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence, then obviously it's a, it's a discussion that you have on when you bring Drew Locke back. But it's just so hard to ever think about the Broncos truly tanking. Yeah, uh, tanking is tanking has it has to be it has to come from the top down in the organization. Um, their way than just like like surgically taking the team apart at the seams right. uh, you gotta you know you gotta put the quarterback on IR you gotta trade the Justin Simmons and maybe even Kareem Jackson and like you it's impossible to tank by just like trying I don't know not calling a good game or anything like that like it really has to be top-down. Organization says, we want Trevor Lawrence. We'll do anything to get him. We knew the Broncos were never going to do that. The only thing we thought was you lose to the Jets and you lose to the, the Patriots and you lose to the Dolphins and you're 0-6. Now there's conversations to be had of, okay, we don't have to worry about the fans. We just have to get through 10 more losses. Is it worth selling the farm? Right, right. And also at that point – you're not saying, okay, let's intentionally tank. You're saying we are this bad. Right, right. Let's just lean into it and get right. the reward. Right, I exactly. So good good question there, Lock the Casbah. True Champ Fan 24, my peoples, I hate to do it, but I'm going to bring the vibe down a bit. No matter what happens for the rest of the season, as unfair as it may seem, I think Vic is not the answer. You guys have highlighted what it feels like. What it feels is the biggest issue with Fangio. He is not a good talent evaluator, and I firmly believe he is causing the team major problems. Wilkinson over Dotson, Bassey over Bosby, Driscoll over Brett. Wow, what do you what do you think? Uh, when I read that, I'm not quite sure all of the responsibility goes on him. Yeah, it's a it's a problem, but it does feel like it's happened more under Vic Fangio than it did under other coaches. I'm trying to think. Vic, like under Vance Joseph, do you remember us just losing our minds over someone not playing that should have been? Not really. I mean, especially seeing those guys have, you know, good practices every day. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Um, yeah, I, I just – I think Vic does have a problem with it and his coaching staff, you know, whether it's him or all of them. Um, they're certainly missing stuff. And – it it is alarming, Zach. Like I saw I think five training camp practices somewhere in that in that neighborhood. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you start Dotson, that's obvious. <laughs> they saw every single one at least twice. Yeah. Every single practice at least twice. Yeah. And somehow came away with the conclusion that they should start Elijah Wilkinson. I just it's it's unfathomable 
Yeah, and, and the only reason I say I, I don't know if you put it all on Vic is just because of John and how much input he has with this stuff. But it is a good point, Ryan. I don't remember saying this with, with Vance and with Gary. So, um, yeah, may, maybe I do put more on Vic that, than I should or that, than oh, I did. I've got one. D'Angelo Henderson. Ah, yes. <laughs> and to this day, our only real sample size of him getting legitimate run was positive. It was very good. It was for a touchdown. Sure was. From Screw This, it was a messy game, but we got the win. Coaching massively improved on both sides of the ball. It's nice to know Fangio listens to the podcast with all the Josie Jewel blitzes. Reisner and Glasgow are underperforming. I find it weird that Hamilton led all receivers in playtime. He was in on 81% of the offensive snaps and is still not producing. My last thought is on Hamilton, who had two deep balls thrown at him that should be touchdowns. In his defense, they were overthrown, but he doesn't make much of an effort to catch the ball. Once healthy... I would like to see Hamler get a chance at those plays. Uh, maybe with the speed, he won't be overthrown. On to New England, by the way, Zach. Did you see Deshaun Hamilton's uh, Twitter interaction with <laughs> former Last Chance U coach Jason Brown today? Oh, I didn't realize that that's who he was interacting with. Oh, did you watch the video? No, I just saw his response oh. to it. Is it, yeah. is it a must-watch or is it just brutal? <laughs> yes. I mean, if you did, you watch that season of Last Chance You? No. Oh, so if you Would didn't, not make as much sense. Well, I mean, you'll just see what this guy is. I mean, for lack of a better term, he's POS, um, but he's kind of a funny POS. So you just get to watch him just absolutely tear into Deshaun Hamilton. Like it really seems like he has a real axe to grind with Deshaun Hamilton. I don't know <laughs> if they have, I don't know if they have history or what, but my God, he just annihilates Deshaun Hamilton for like 27 seconds. Um, so I, I, I just, I couldn't help but laugh. It was absolutely ridiculous how hard he was going on him. Um, and I can't believe he got Deshaun to respond. Yeah, he, he did. And Deshaun has more likes on his reply to, uh, to coach Jason Brown than Jason Brown has himself on that video. Man, I can't wait to watch this after. Dude, you have, I'm not getting off the Zoom call until you watch it. Because I just want to see your reaction. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, Hamilton, I don't know, man. He's not a, he's not a playmaker, in my opinion. And – don't you throw deep balls to playmakers for, for yes. the most part. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be throwing those passes to him. Now, maybe the thought was, um, you know, we have a favorable matchup because they don't think Deshaun Hamilton is a playmaker. The Jets don't, that is. So maybe that's the thought there. Um, but it shows you what Deshaun is, that the coaches like him because he's reliable. That's why he's on the field more than any other receiver. I got to think that that changes soon with Jerry Judy, that he starts to, you know, become more comfortable with the NFL and the coaches become more comfortable with him and trust him more because yeah, it's, that's, that's not the guy you want out there all the time, but Deshaun, I know he's getting a lot uh, of crap, especially for kind of losing the ball. I thought he more so lost the ball in the air than he gave up on that play, that deep throw. So I'm not as hard on Deshaun, but he's certainly not the guy that you want out there more than any other receiver. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess you just you gotta gotta tell, do what the matchup tells you. Um, but that that deep one yesterday looked like it was designed to go there. Um, Jeff actually let it go before he even came out of his second break. So, oh my God, that, you just called you just called Brett Jeff. Oh. Ah! 
it's all the same at this point. Although it's actually not. Um, it was one of the three worst quarterbacks, three of the five worst quarterbacks by PFF. I know that for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, Deshaun just uh, – he, he, I like him with his face towards the quarterback. So that's what I want. Mm, kind of like Noah Fant? Last year. Noah Fant can track balls. Right. Now. Yeah, he can. He's, he's one for one. Is that all he's got is just that one opportunity? I think so. I think so. Um, ne- oh, that was the last one. Uh, oh, sweet. easy. Now, now I get to watch you watch this video. <laughs> um, well, before we get out of here, a big shout out to, I assume, Green Mountain Dental Group. <laughs> you need any work done on your teeth green mountain dental group is the place to go diehard colorado sports fans dnvr members dnvr supporters for a long long time and when you go down there and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you're going to get a sonicare toothbrush so check out green mountain dental group and have yourself a wonderful weekend thanks to everyone who always supports us and rides with us through all the wins or the losses uh you guys are what make this job fun so uh enjoy your weekend and we'll talk to you on the other side